0: Hey everybody, welcome to West Seattle Christian Church Online. If you're new, welcome. If not, welcome back. Just a couple of reminders of upcoming events before we begin. First, our kinfolk groups are back, meeting in person in our homes and in social hall uh, on the church campus on Sundays. So for more info, jump onto our website and visit the groups page. Second uh, is kind of a twofold announcement for upcoming gatherings. Our middle school student ministry is gathering again Wednesday night February 16th in the youth room so join us for free dinner fun times and discipleship if you're in middle school also our next in-person worship gathering is coming up on Sunday February 27th at 10 a.m. in our worship center masks are required and we hope to see you there lastly we are in the middle of this important series called the basics where we're looking at the fundamentals of the Christian faith So this is good for you if you're new to Christianity and following Jesus, and it's also good for you if you've been a Christian for years, kind of a refresher about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, uh, the church, and our calling uh, to mission as the people of God. So each week during the basic series, you're going to be instructed to view our teaching online like this via YouTube or our website or our mobile app, any one of those, uh, platforms or to view a complimentary video teaching from the Bible Project that enhances what we're talking about each week. These will be made available uh, in advance of Sunday gatherings so that you can be ready to fellowship, share, and then jump into this into the discussion with your Kimfolk group. So if you missed last week's Bible Project video, I want you to head on over to our blog and you'll find it in the queue there. It's it's less than 10 minutes. and It'll be well worth your time. Okay. If you've been with us in this basic series, you know that we started by talking about God in the first session by working through some Bible project videos together. And then we followed that up with our own video. And we've done the same thing when learning about Jesus. And now uh, today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. What we learned last week is that the Holy Spirit is the very representation of Jesus in our lives, a guiding force that helps us distinguish our course in this world, that helps us navigate the hardships of life, and the celebrations, and everything in between. The Holy Spirit is our helper, and so of course, if you need help with anything, may I suggest that you begin to focus more specifically and intentionally on how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and manifesting itself in your life, and showing up all the time to help you, and to point the way forward. Uh, The Holy Spirit is also our assistant that helps us become holy, or in other words, More like Jesus. We learned that in our Holiness video last week. And I want to help uh, get you started on that path right now. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you've likely got some ideas about who and what the Holy Spirit is. But my guess is that you've not spent a focused amount of time trying to understand the Holy Spirit. And a focused amount of time trying to engage the Holy Spirit through spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines. This is evidenced by the fact, at least anecdotally for me, that people in my context, Seattle, uh, whether they're in the church or not, tell me that they are spiritual and they're interested in spiritual life, but they, they don't want to work on their spiritual life within the context of the church. And upon further conversation, when I asked nearly anyone these days what methods they use to grow spiritually, I met with the kind of near universal answer that they feel almost the, uh, the most connected spiritually when they're in nature. And that's a perfectly fine and appropriate answer. But I'm interested in more, and I think you are too, because I think we know intuitively that when we go out and spend time in nature, it's very nice and we like it because it's a break from the monotony of work or school or the day to day grind. So we feel more connected with who we are and who we're meant to be, and we seem to be able to breathe a little freer, if you will. But there's more to the spiritual life and connecting with God than being outside in nature. It seems that most people I talk to are interested in the spiritual aspects of life, but they don't really know how to go about being in tune with the Spirit. And so we need a place to start. I think one place to start, a good place to start is Romans 8 verse nine, which says this. However, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that it's the work of the Spirit that enables you to become a Christian in the first place. First and foremost, the scriptures tell us that The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and dwells within us and confirms that we are sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit in our lives is like the down payment, the earnest money, if you will, the guarantee that we belong to God. And that's what Paul was saying in verse 9 of Romans 8. But most of the time, we're really, for lack of a better term, unconscious of the fact that the Holy Spirit is within us. Like, it's like we're not walking around bumping into the Spirit or feeling full of the Spirit. Uh, in the same sense that we're full when we eat a big meal or when our stomach is empty and then we drink up a liter of water and we go out for a run and we feel it sloshing around inside of us. It's not like that. But the scriptures do tell us that the Holy Spirit works in such a way that we become aware of Him in our head and in our heart and in our total physicality. And it's part of the reason why when we pray sometimes, you might feel a sense of peace or a sense of warmth or a sense of calmness. And we don't pray to get the result of feeling those things, but I don't think we have an awareness all the time of how the Holy Spirit Spirit feels in our lives because we're just not paying attention. Paul says in in Colossians 1, 29, to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And what I want you to see in this verse is that Paul's normal experience as a Christian was to struggle with the awareness of God's power at work in his life. How many of us would say that every day we feel that in our lives? How many of us would probably say the opposite of that? I think we would more often say, I struggle with all the other things that seem to have power over my life, whether it's being tired or worried or anxious or apprehensive, maybe a a feeling of resentment. I think we can feel that all of those things can have a hold on us. They hold us down. They hold us back. Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 18, Instead of wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? Well, to put it simply, nothing has changed for thousands of years since Paul's time. It's been a long time since human beings invented alcohol. And we often use alcohol or other things to change our physicality and our thoughts and our feelings to deal with life with the things that come against us to relax, to cope. And Paul is saying here, you could be filled to the brim limitlessly. With something else. And that is the question for us today. How many of you would like to trade the other things that are at work in you for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you? And I think we all know the answer. Even one moment of being filled with the Spirit can change everything. And I don't think it's always peaceful and calm when the Spirit manifests itself, but we know that the Spirit's there and it's good. We have to ask ourselves, what does the Spirit actually do And this brings me to the second point I want to make. The first is that the Spirit is in you, and if you aren't aware of that, we have to learn to cultivate that awareness. So the second thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives is disrupt. And I have often felt this in my vocation in ministry for many years. If I'm going to take Jesus seriously and do the things he did and try to allow the Spirit to guide and prompt and help me, then it means disruption. And by disruption, I mean that the Spirit can change your experience. The Spirit can disrupt the constant flow of the enemy's power over our lives. Take a look at what happens to Jesus himself at his baptism in Luke 3, 21. It says this, Then one day after the crowds had been baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove settled upon him. And a voice from heaven said, You are my much-loved son. Yes, my delight. So it says the heavens open and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends upon Jesus and it falls upon him and it rests on him. So Jesus had this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, if you follow the story forward, you see that once he is filled with the spirit, he goes off into the desert to kind of go mano a mano, toe to toe with the devil and all the things the devil can throw at him. So all the things that the devil does to try and cause us to not be filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus immediately faces those things. And the moment Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, he faces the worst of what you and I experience as human beings. Jesus faces it. Jesus goes, all right then, I'm full of the Spirit, so I'm going to go face everything that you and I will ever face. Incidentally, the word the Bible uses for the heavens were opened up, it's the same word used at Jesus' death when the veil in the temple was torn apart. It was torn into, pulled apart. It's a word of forcefulness and violence. It's not like the rain faded away and the sun came out gently from behind the clouds and the sunlight filtered brilliantly down upon Jesus. And it was like, oh, no, the heavens were torn open, torn asunder. So this moment when the spirit falls on Jesus, it's a foreshadowing of what will happen at his death as well. And the veil, the thing that separates God from all people, the, the heavens are open to Jesus and they're open violently to us as well in that moment. And you remember how violent it was when Jesus died. The scriptures say that the earth shook and the rocks and the ground broke apart and people who were dead came back to life. In other words, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is disruptive. And you see that at Pentecost in the videos we, we watched last week from the Bible Project. It's disruptive. It reminds me of Isaiah 61, which I think illustrates it really well. It says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. I think Isaiah's prophetic prayer was answered. It came to be at Jesus's baptism and again at his death. And so here's the deal. The scriptures say that the Holy Spirit lives in you if you know Jesus, and nothing can keep the heavens from opening and the Spirit from being poured out upon you. Many of you, though, are probably nodding because you believe that because the scriptures say it. So why does it seem that so often the opposite happens? Have any of you ever felt like heaven was closed to you? I have. And if nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, then why does that happen? And that's what I'd like to press into for a moment this morning. Because I think after everything we learned last week, I I still think it's because why people don't look to the church anymore for spiritual guidance. Because the church and a lot of Christians just say, this is the way it is. And then we don't deal with it when it feels like there's so much separation from, from God and the Spirit in our day-to-day lives. I think we need to deal with this question. How many of you feel like heaven is open to you today? If you don't, may I suggest that just like Jesus, the moment you believe in Jesus and accept the Holy Spirit in your life, the enemy views you as just that, as an enemy. You are against him, and he wants you with him on his side, or at least not actively opposed to him, and so he impresses you. And I don't mean that In the sense that you're like, wow, I'm so impressed with the devil. That's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is this. How many of you have, here's the picture I want you to form in your mind. How many of you have moved a piece of furniture away from its spot on the carpet at some point? Or you've moved some lawn furniture in your lawn off the grass and underneath you see this mark, this impression where whatever was there has left this dent, this impression. That's what I mean by the word impression. The enemy comes to us and brings lies and plans and temptations, and circumstances, and he impresses those on our life. He impresses us, and we feel the weight of that impression. The circumstances of life can feel like a weight, and it impresses us. And for some of us, it's so heavy that, in fact, it leaves scars. So we're living under the impression, the weight, the threat of the enemy. That's why Jesus came. He took each and every impression that happened to every human being ever, and he took it on himself. And the culmination of that was his crucifixion. And it wasn't just the physical crucifixion that killed him. It was the weight of everything that you have ever experienced that separates you from the opening of heaven and the experience of God and the experience of the Spirit. And so we have to realize that and figure out what practices help us have real rhythms of life that open us to the heavens. One of those is being with a church family that helps you navigate these impressions from the enemy that you're trying to that are trying to press you down. Another can be going to a counselor that can help you deal with this, uh, the scars and the circumstances of life that have been left on you. And another is specific spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting, moving into those. All these things are like lifting up a chair off the carpet for a long enough period of time so that the impression marks come out of the carpet. The Holy Spirit can remove those impressions. So, how do you practice an awareness and engagement with the Holy Spirit in such a way where your life, uh, you're picking up that chair long enough so that the impressions beneath it go away and continue to stay away? What rhythms and practices are you engaging in to help you thwart the impression of the enemy through the power of the Spirit? And I want to tell you that Jesus, Jesus was able to do that and He shows us the way. He lived in a response to the Father as like a prototype for us in an amazing way that's now available to us. I think sometimes we think that because scripture tells us that Jesus was fully God and fully human, that Jesus was able to live the way he did because of the fully God part. He's fully God. So it was just so easy for him, in other words. But the scriptures are also crystal clear that Jesus was like us in every way. Just go read Philippians 1 and 2 for reference. And what you'll find there, there's a word that's used there where it says Jesus empties himself, Kenosis. And it becomes, he becomes like us in every way. He leaves behind his divinity and becomes fully human. Yet he is filled with the Spirit, which means that Jesus' ability to be filled with the Spirit is also available to us. And what I want you to see is that Jesus was not filled with the Holy Spirit because he was God. That's a big theological point for some of you to digest. He was filled with the Spirit because God made available through him what he also wants to make available to you and me we can steward our experience of heaven and be open to it and be more like Jesus. And we say this a lot here in our teaching at church that we want to be more like Jesus. And I think what some of us hear is that that just means being good or kind or compassionate or maybe less sinful, screwing up less. And those are good things, but I think there is so much more. To become like Jesus is to live before God, our Heavenly Father, in such a way that we are filled with the Holy Spirit In the same way that Jesus was filled. This is what Jesus made available to us if we believe the scriptures so that we can practice the presence of heaven in our daily lives. That's my encouragement to you today that we have hope in Jesus because the same power of the Holy Spirit that was in him is available to you and me. It's like Jesus was tuned in and he beckons us to tune in as well. When we start to listen and look at who Jesus is, The Holy Spirit comes rushing into our lives and informs us how to live and how to deal. And the Holy Spirit comforts and heals and protects because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus and He loves us. It's not just that Jesus is a good example for us. He is the Lord of life itself. He is the Lord of all life. And He gives us life, true life. And when we look at Him and listen to Him and read His Word, the Holy Spirit rushes alongside us and the heavens begin to open up and the Spirit that came on Jesus at his baptism, comes on us, and settles in us. And that's what I pray for you today. May you pay attention to Jesus, read his word, spend time with him, look at him, listen to him, become aware of the Holy Spirit in you, and may the heavens open up, up to you and give you life, not just now, but every day. And I invite you to do this again with me next week as we talk even more about what this looks like to live in the Spirit. Until then, I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus and produce good fruit, my friends.